You're tuned in to a special book club episode of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. I'll be your nervous Nelly host this time around, Kale Ward. And this month, I'm here with everyone's favorite big brother, Phil Casey. That's me, except I'm not always watching like Big Brother. Liar. We're also here with the scourge of Super Smash Brothers, Mr. Sean Bartley. Wow, hello, hello. I'm very pleased with that. I like that a lot. Thank you. Did You You thought it was going to take a pirate turn, didn't you? But I, I got you. Much like a pirate. I wasn't thinking about pirates. I never do. And the video game, and the video game vampire himself, Thompson. Oh man, you're really killing it! Thank you. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Uh, what's your last name? Do you have one? It's Thompson. Yeah, surprisingly. <laughs> your name. Your name He's is like Thompson. Sure. Thompson. Uh, do you want me to explain? Yep. Uh, no. This month on the book club, as you probably already surmised, because you clicked this button. Uh, we're diving deep into comic book literature, and we're talking about Art Spiegelman's Mouse. Uh, now, because of the nature of this book, I want to throw out a quick content warning. Uh, we will be talking about, like, the worst parts of the Holocaust as they're addressed in the book. Uh, this does include discussions of war, Hitler, Nazis, concentration camps, death, torture, slavery, suicide, the death of children, and probably the biggest part of it all, uh, blatant, in-your-face fucking racism. Jeez. <laughs> um, but... So there's, there's there's the warning, folks. Yeah. If you got to duck out, duck out now. But before you do that, and before we get too far into the discussion, let me tell you, take a second to tell you where you can find us. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on SoundCloud. We're on YouTube. We're on everywhere your podcasts are sold. Please subscribe. Leave us a like, a comment, and tell your friends about the good work we're doing here at the Pals Network. Even through all of that, it benefits us more than it costs you, and we'd really appreciate it. If you are super into this episode and you would like uh, like to hear more similar to this, um, please write us at uh, thecomicspals at gmail.com. Uh, leave us a five-star review on uh, iTunes or whatever review you think this uh, deserves. And uh, we'd love to hear your suggestion on, on uh, what we should do about a book club. When I put this book into our list of uh, books we should read and, and discuss... Um, I didn't do it because I like this book. <laughs> All right. I, cool. l- 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 I, I do, but I picked it specifically because I knew it would cause a conversation. What I didn't know, and at this point what I am afraid of, is how relevant the conversation is going to be. And how relevant the conversation has become. Especially because we've had to push this episode... Uh, ahead a few weeks and we're, we're even running a little tight on our deadline the past couple of weeks politically have been nuts i have no doubt that we're going to talk about the history of the holocaust and the parallels that uh, have been happening in the past few years but to give a little perspective on why this is so poignant right now at the time of this recording it's saturday june 23rd of 2018 and the trump administration is in the midst of a scandal concerning the separation of immigrant children from their parents who come to the border seeking asylum or not and placing both parties into various camps and quote care centers across the country with again as of this recording no hope of being reunited with each other that's only the beginning so We've got a little bit of context 
for now. I'm going to get into the publication history real quick. I'll do a quick summary of the book, and uh, we'll figure out how we want to talk about it. Mouse was written and drawn by Art Spiegelman from 1980 to 1991. Uh, It was serialized in Raw Magazine. Um, Here's a quick summary from Wikipedia on the actual content of the book. The frame tale timeline in the narrative present in the narrative present that begins in 1978 in New York City, Spiegelman talk, talks with his father, Vladek, about his Holocaust experiences, gathering material for the mouse project he is preparing. In the narrative past, Spiegelman depicts the, these experiences from the years leading up to World War II to his parents' liberation from the Nazi concentration camps. Much of this story revolves around Spiegelman's troubled relationship with his father and the absence of his mother who committed suicide when he was 20. Her grief-stricken husband destroys his writ- her written accounts of Auschwitz. The book uses a, minil- a minimalist drawing style and displays innovation in its pacing, structure, and page layouts. A three-page strip, also called Mouse, that he made in 1972 gave Spiegelman an opportunity to interview his father about his life during World War II. The recorded interviews became the basis for the graphic novel, which Spiegelman began in 1978. Uh, It's also uh, the first graphic novel to earn a Pulitzer Prize in 1992, uh, the Special Award in Letters. Coincidentally, uh, what my master's degree is in, Letters. Okay. I'll shut up now. Okay. What do you guys think? What, uh, What are your overall impressions of the book how did you find the experience uh sean can we start with you sure uh so i will be honest and say that i didn't know what to expect and that i was actually dreading reading this book because uh it has a reputation for being you know, a perennial classic, you know, one of the, they call it like the the first masterpiece of comics I've heard, I've yeah. heard it called. And when all of that kind of highfalutin praise is thrown around, uh, it, it makes me believe that what I'm about to read is stuffy mm. uh, and inaccessible. <clears throat> and what I found was not that. What I found mm. was something that was uh, worthy of every ounce of praise but that doesn't present itself as trying to achieve what it did. Uh, hmm. it, it's a very grounded piece, and it's the most penetrate the the comic book that's penetrated me more than any I've ever hmm. read. It, 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 uh, it's it's intense. It really is. Uh, I have never experienced the Holocaust this way before. Yeah. I've never experienced that period of time in humanity this way before. So, I mean, I, I don't know if this exists or whatever, but I figure there's not like a lot of video that showcases what it was like at that time, you know, from, mm-hmm. from inside the actual concentration camps and whatnot. This is the best way to present that, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Other than like literally showing it to you, because what you get is the perspective of someone who was there, right? The perspective of someone who was there, who understands the layout because they lived in there, uh, who can tell you what it was like to have 
you know, bodies stacked on top of bodies trying to sleep and just all the the crazy things that you see uh, when you're in that environment. And there is no way to fully understand it. This is as close as I've ever come in my entire life. Hmm. Um, yeah, what, go ahead. What, 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 what other exposure have you had to the Holocaust? Like, what, what's, your, what, what's your other experiences? Uh, with I it? watched a movie called Downfall. Uh, it's a... I think it's a German language movie. I thought I thought I thought you were just gonna end that sentence at I watched a movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's about it's about the fall of the Reich, pretty much, and it kind of just showcases Hitler, what he was like. Uh, there are memes about the movie. You've probably yeah, seen yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really a good movie. But um, I've seen that and like a couple of other things, but I think the weird part about the Holocaust and about that time period is that everybody has heard of it, but you don't, you don't, most people probably don't even know what the first time they heard of it was. I tried to think about that and I couldn't remember. I have no idea my first exposure to this information. And not only do I not know my first exposure, but I know it was bad but I don't have a connection to that bad, you know? Now I do. Because it was someone's personal story that I connected with right here. And I could see the visuals. And um, now this is a part of me. Mm. In a way it never was before. And I, I feel like a lot of other media really focuses on World War Two in like a war perspective. And there are, you know, there are obviously notable differences, but for the most part, World War II at, at this point is used as like a pop culture reference that was just the big war. It's easy to do that, though, from a, from a uh, media and culture perspective, because most wars are morally ambiguous. Sure. A lot yeah. of wars are yeah, waged absolutely. over controversial means, to say the least. Whereas with the Second World War... It was perhaps one of the few times in history where a war was clearly waged mm. between good and evil. The Nazis, what they were doing was beyond reprehensible. The, the Nazis are probably the worst political party to form in human history. Their entire ideology and message is founded on pseudoscience, eugenics, uh, controlling people, um, extreme classism. Like, they personify everything that is wrong. And so for the first time ever, you have this conflict where it's very clear the moral lines are drawn, what is good and what is evil. And it's easy for Hollywood or publishers or whomever to create narrative off that because it's so black and white in a way that a lot of wars are That's a great aren't. point. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and tell us your experience, Phil? Yeah, it's the first, second time I had Red Mouse. I had read it... Uh, seven years ago for the first time and uh i've had a lot of exposure to um the holocaust i uh i read ellie wiesel's night when i was probably 11 years old uh, i read anne frank's diary around the same time uh i had a holocaust speaker come to my high school uh, and relay their experience i saw their numbers in person wow. on their arm wow um in college I uh, 
I was a dual major, and one of my majors was history. And uh, I took a whole class on um, on the rise of Hitler and Nazi, Nazi Germany, taught by uh, a Ukrainian Jew whose parents were in the Holocaust. So I've had a lot of exposure to this, and uh, I kind of forgot a lot of Mouse. Like I remember, um, yeah. I remember the characters, but like some of the nuance of of what um, of what Spiegelman did with like kind of the narrative structure. Mm. There's a part in like chapter seven where he's talking to his wife and he says something like, well, comics have a limitation. There's no way I would have been able to talk this long without you interrupting. Mm. It gets a little meta, but um, what's so interesting about this book to me is how he just kind of presents it as it is. He Mm. had the, the writer, has conflict of how he portrays his father because his father is not without blemishes. His father, he says, is a stereotypical old Jew who has racism and stuff like that. Yeah. And he struggled with how yeah. he wants to present it. And that, that is something I, I do want to talk about it at some point. I, I, we will get there. Yeah. I think that's a, a big part of the book, and I, I, I would like to include it in this discussion. Uh, but yeah, that's... Sure. Yeah. And I, I guess my other thought is while I was reading it... Um, this is in the wake of everything happening on the border of the United States right now with with, with um, immigrants and, and the Trump administration, and I don't want to I don't want to make the hasty comparison of of Nazi concentration camps, obviously, mm. because of they were they I mean that was genocide, yeah. right? Uh, in the way that what would happen in Armenia at the turn of the century, but uh, the very nomenclature of the word like concentration camp comes from like what was the English were doing to the Boers in the Boer, the second Boer war uh, in South Africa. And it's what the Germans were doing at the beginning of the second world war, like just locking people up based off racial differences. And so while I'm reading this specifically in the first few chapters where it's like, everything's fine. Um, you know, they come from like an affluent part of Poland and it escalates on air. That 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 was like that was the takeaway of like this is what a slippery slope looks like. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. 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 And when you do, when you detain people based off racist paranoia, that's when things get really bad. And reading this, I uh, I felt like. I felt a particular sense of anxiety this time around. Yep. And I think Spiegelman yep. does a really good job too, especially when, um, when, um, uh, hold on, what are their names? Uh, Anya and, uh, and, uh, Vladek are on the run, just trying to stay out of Auschwitz yeah. before they get caught. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and without spoiling it, you shouldn't be listening to this if, if you don't want to be spoiled or if without, you without spoiling this 40 year old book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when he makes the incorrect decision of trying to send him and his wife to Hungary, yeah. like yeah. you could feel it, like this, the like, oh my god, he made the wrong choice, but like he had no way of knowing. Yeah. Yep. It's so easy to put yourself in his shoes, I guess. And um, I don't know. It's 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 a it's a big book. It, it's like a nice Venn diagram of of cartoon comics. Mm-hmm. Like in the traditional sense of like Fritz the Cat or whatever, yeah. and like your traditional American graphic novel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
because that means he's got the funny animals trope of what a lot of like, yeah, comic he, he talks about – I can't remember if this is in the book or if this is a, an interview I read. Uh, he talks about how um, the Germans, like one of their big slogans or whatever was how how much Mickey Mouse sucked. Yeah, because, yeah. <laughs> you know, mice are mice are vermin and like Walt Disney wants book. you to, you know, be, <laughs> uh, you know, to, to worship this mouse and it's like – gross <laughs> you know um yeah it's at the very beginning of the book mickey mouse is the most miserable ideal ever revealed healthy emotions tell every independent young man and every every honorable youth that the dirty and filth covered vermin the greatest bacteria carrier in the animal kingdom cannot be the ideal type of animal away with jewish brutalization of the people down with mickey mouse where the swastika cross it's from a newspaper article in Germany in the mid 1930s. Yeah, down yeah. with Mickey uh, Mouse. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that was, what? That was uh, other than like the the allegorical comparison. That's like a huge reason he he uh, Spiegelman portrays the the Jewish people as as mice. So my my final thought is that this is like this is this is an American classic. This is like this is America. This book, it's 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 comics. It's pure comics, and, and like Thompson, how about you? Way. Uh, so I really have a lot of exposure to the Holocaust as well. I remember um, as early as like maybe even second grade that we mm-hmm. had pictures in like elementary school for learning about this stuff, which is you know like you're seven or whatever, you don't grasp the full you know uh, weight of it. But it was always in my curriculum from all of my school years, and I studied a ton a ton of history in college you know it's like it's my favorite thing in the world so not just this obviously but every other tragedy throughout all of uh history has been you know like locked away over the years and um are you saying tragedy is your favorite thing in the world that that's true to character old thompson's just a big old fan of being sad <laughs> no i mean it's just human history is just incredible and the the paths we take are mesmerizing and to say that this was not one of the weirdest ones you know is is not doing it justice you know this is not the first time it's just one of the most exceptional times that it's ever happened and for me like comics i haven't really read anything like this i i've read mm-hmm. you know superhero stuff for years I, I read you know marvel and some dc maybe um you know I, I like some edgy stuff like darkness you know whatever it it's not, it's not my my forte to read stuff like this. So I yeah, was pleasantly yeah. surprised finding something like this existed. You know, um, was this your first time reading? Yeah, for sure. I've I've always wow. wanted to, but I, I never really had the the. I just fell out of comics over the last like five or six years, and mm-hmm. I only heard about it right before I like fell out. So um, yeah, still go to Comic Con, but I don't read comics much. So <laughs> just that <laughs> got a pile right behind me. Uh, <laughs> but. In any case, this this really just blew me away. You know, I didn't know comics could be um, anything more than you know. I, I mean, like I know there's obviously serious ones out there, but I didn't know that they could have such weight to them. You know, that to portray it to all ages, I think in that that art art form, it's it's simple enough to give away what it needs to, and it's just graphic enough to like pass. You know, it's not like R rated, but it, the the words used and the language involved and the scenarios involved are obviously really horrible. And mm-hmm. I think. Um, as like a teaching method, this would be, this would be amazing. It really does. Yeah. Like I, I've never ever liked American literature really before. And I really kind of agree that this is like an American classic. Like this might be really for me, the first thing I've read from an American author that I'm, I'm like completely just like, wow, this just needs to be 
you know, this needs to be public knowledge more, I think, for some people, because I think a lot of people don't even know um, what it even was, what it pertains to, the years even. I mean, I really don't mm -hmm. think that as though we might know it, I think a lot of people, more than half probably, are, are ignorant of the situation and can forget these these kinds of things, you know? And um, like I said, I have a lot of experience with this stuff, you know? Even at an early age, when I was in Germany, I, I saw Dachau, which was uh, not the most pleasant place. There was a literal line of clouds, like in almost a square. I have pictures to prove this. Uh, I, you know, I should have got them out for this. Uh, <laughs> uh, of like a, like almost like a ring of just like perpetual rain around this place. It's, it's insane, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it's, it's, it's an experience to be there for sure. Nobody even opened their mouth while they were there, you know. Like a few hundred people could go through, and it would just be dead silent. Because huh. um, interesting. And and this book, I feel really like somehow managed to get that feeling across. If you have never been to anywhere that's been, you know, touched by this or had any experience with it before, I think if you had just picked this up and at least got halfway through it um, before it gets, you know, obviously even worse on the second half, um, I think that you would have walked away with having some knowledge of what it was like. And that's just, that's good enough for me. So for that alone, like, it's one of my favorite, if not one of my favorite comics I've ever read right away, you know, mm -hmm. um, just not for the history of it alone. Um I, I absolutely love the little meta inside of it. I thought that was that did it perfect just when it was like long enough for me to start getting a little bit depressed. You know, they, they'd come out with yeah. something and say like, well, you know, whatever, you know, this this little thing. He'd just like lean over and kind of look and not like Deadpool where it's everything's a third wall, you know, or fourth wall breaking, uh, uh, you know, thing. It was just enough to make me remember, well, this is still a comic. But that was weird that something had to tell me, hey, this is still a comic, you know? Like I, I really got engrossed in this and I don't normally – sit down and I read this over the course of just one day, you know, I did it like two days ago just cause I wanted to be fresh. And, uh, I didn't, I've never really done that with any other like collection before, you know, mm. uh, spread it out. Usually this just get me, you know? Yeah. He, he, uh, especially in book two, he really takes the time to sort of tell you that, Hey man, I'm going through this too. Like this, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you really get like a feeling of, you know, even the least empathic person in the world would get a feeling of what somebody went through. If not the father, if not the mother who committed suicide, if not somebody, there is some, there is some family member or some person depicted in this that would resonate with somebody somewhere. And I think that, I don't know if that's true. Really? I think there's enough uh, there's some real, cases in there. There's some real monsters out there. I mean, okay, so there's obviously, like, psychopaths that don't feel, but I'm saying, like, person, <laughs> like, people that exist in society, like, the least empathic of us who are like, eh, fuck this or fuck that, couldn't have a moment where that something resonated, like, oh, well, my aunt committed suicide or someone had this, Listen, you know? if you're a real, if you're a real anti-Semitic person, then you don't even think these people are human. Yeah. And then you, you would could. not care. I know. I, but... <laughs> But, you know. There's a reason why this shit happened I, in the I first know there place. Is. Because of people not being empathetic. Right, and I think that this has the chance to spark some empathy in someone. That, you know, even though it's a... It's, it, maybe somebody would see something in there that makes them think again. And that would be enough to hopefully make a chip in that, you know. At least mm. I try to be positive on that stuff and hope for the best on it. So, you could be totally right. I mean, I do have... Uh, dreams of a better future that are very unrealistic sometimes so <laughs> i don't think that the hope for a better tomorrow and the optimism for um people to improve has to conflict with the reality that there are really bad people out there who um 
have predisposed opinions on race and gender and religion, that reality of these types of people existing with these types of prejudices doesn't mean that we can't strive for something better. That optimism and hope, like if you if you were to neglect that because of how bad things are or can be, is almost like giving up to the fact that the, you're resigning yourself that's to that's basically the bad what thing. the book gets across very well too and i think that's well said you know i think he always kept hope throughout the whole thing and that's i think one of the most you know impressive points of the whole thing is that he never lost hope and and uh there was always something there to keep him going you know and mm-hmm. i think it's uh it's beautiful in that respect you know it really i, I thought it was great <laughs> the whole thing i want to i want to go back to uh what you said about uh going to a, a, a physical um con- you know concentration camp you went to you know you said you went to auschwitz i Dachau. went to okay uh, yeah, yeah Dachau, different you, place. <laughs> you were gonna go to auschwitz yeah yeah i went to a different one and uh unfortunately i i just can't remember which one it was but um uh, when I was there, I had almost the, it sounds like the complete opposite experience that you did. Wow. Um, it was a bright spring day, uh, 70, 80 degrees, no cloud in the sky. Uh, sun was, you know, bright. I may have gotten a little sunburn. Um, the place was full of people. Uh, full of like you know kids going on like field trips and families and stuff and everybody was just chatting away just you know it was wow. like it was like going into a museum what was your experience uh, well, with that uh, let me let me tell you i, re- I remember <laughs> i remember specific i i have two specific moments of of just like this weird disconnect um I was I was down and I somehow I ended up sort of away from from my group, um, and I wound up in sort of like the the showers, you know, the showers. Oh Jesus! And like it's just a room full of people, and I'm I'm like mildly claustrophobic as it is. I I may not even be mildly claustrophobic. I'm I think I'm claustrophobic, um, and it just you know somehow I'd gotten into the room and it was the crowd was flowing the opposite way and like people were just you know just chatting going about their business in the showers and like i couldn't get through and like i just went oh my god like but it was it was just it felt so surreal to me that like it was like going to um, you know the 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 uh the art the the met you know, it's just like going to the the Met on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, That's insane. And then, like, I, I I remembered, like, as I was just kind of walking outside at some point, I thought I saw something on the wall. And so I just kind of walked up toward the wall. And as I stepped toward it, I remember looking up and going, oh, holy shit. <laughs> like just having just this surreal moment of like someone did this exact thing and went i'm not making it out of here a lot of yeah. people yeah 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 sometimes so, sometimes with like the holocaust people think of it as just like 
statistics. Like yeah. they can't visualize the human Especially element. Especially when it's really like, large, people lose track of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but like six million people died in concentration camps. That's that's only like two million less people than New York. Yeah. That's more people than what live in Los Angeles. Like if you took that entire city, the second biggest city in the country. And just killed them all. Yeah. I mean, even more died because that's like just Jewish population. And then the, right. and Stalin had another 20 under, million under his belt too, you know, like, and a lot of them were Jews too that weren't ever accounted for. And that's not so, killing, that's not counting, uh, you know, the gypsies or Roma people yeah, or homosexuals right. or, you know, people like, of color. Just entirely massive. Like they use the word in the, the book really early on, a pogrom. And it's like, that's literally just a word saying like a mass extermination referring to Jews. Like the fact that there's a word designed for, it's, just, yeah. it's like, we've killed them so much. We've designed a word for it. You know, like that's yeah. insane, you know? And like they, but the Jews in the, in the story, they talk about it as though it's like, well, it's happening again, you know, and like, here you go. And I guess maybe, you know, like that's just the first thing that you can see it going downhill very quickly, obviously. But you know, it's very eye-opening to see that that's how it starts. You know, that's that's something that I think the book uh, does really well is you never are allowed really to lose track of the fact that there are people, humans that are just being killed. So you're you're never really allowed to get away from from the feeling of dread. I think uh, one of the best things about the book is that Spiegelman almost places you in the concentration camp in the mm. sense that you're always worried about what's going to be around the corner. There's yeah. a moment where he's talking to his therapist and he's asking his therapist, like, what was it like? And his therapist just goes, boo! And Art, like, freaks out. <laughs> and the yeah. therapist is like, it was like that, but all the time. That feeling of anxiety, what's around the corner... It's that feeling constantly. And you see it in the book where it's like, oh, you want new shoes? Okay, cool. And then they just kill you, you know? Yeah. Or, oh, go chase this piece of bread and you run and they kill you, you know? Um, that's a horrifying feeling. And for me as a reader, it's like, like, what the hell do you feel like as a human being when you're there? What 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 does that do to a person? And that is why Vladik is such a fascinating character slash human being. Because he is the living embodiment of the result. Yeah, of surviving yeah. that he's so neurotic and and anorotative mm. and he drives Mala crazy and his son crazy and his son's wife crazy because of how uh, neurotic he is but like it's almost like a character study of like what would it be like if for like over five years give or take you were living in the worst world right. possible and, and um, they make a point to sort of say like oh they, they ask the question was he this way before things got bad and Art can't know because he was he didn't exist, but we know because we see it, and he wasn't like that. Mm. Auschwitz changed him. He yeah, look how suave he was. He was smart. He was usually ahead of the step. He would calm down Anya and stuff. Uh, she was the neurotic he, one. Yeah, yeah, and and I I love that. 
I really, I really love that the way they showcase that that this that this guy uh, used his almost superhuman ability to be one step ahead of everything for years to avoid death. It, it, like he was a genius throughout this whole process. And I don't believe any of that was embellished. And that's what I love too about this story is I believe it all. Hmm. I believe that he was able to think this way because if he didn't, he would have died. And, and yeah. you see other people in the book who, uh, they, you know, they get away through luck. Anya gets Anya survives because of luck, essentially. Uh, other characters they have privilege for for different reasons, and they are able to survive. Lots of other characters who have privilege just die, right? So, yep. His, his father exactly. He was. A, they said he he was a millionaire, and it didn't matter. And so, what the hell happens to you when you're this smart, this capable? And it takes every single ounce of your capability to survive what killed six million other people. And, and we saw insane. one false step, one false step, sound off. Yes, one mistake. And you mentioned how this book just constantly reminds you of death, like every turn. I think of the scene where they talk about the four Jewish guys who were uh, selling food and goods without the coupons in the ghetto. Mm. And the Gestapo found them and, and hung them for it. And I thought about uh, the, the description where it's like, um, um, the next day I walked over to Maruza, uh Ajowska Street and I saw them. They hang there one week. Cone had dry goods store. He was known all over Sosniech. Uh, uh, Often he came, gave me clothes with no coupons. I traded also with uh, Pfeffer. The fine young man, a Zionist, he was just married. His wife ran screaming in the street. I was frightened to go outside for a few days and want to pass where they were hanging. And I can only think what it would be like if four friends of mine were hanging in the middle of the street. And, like, you had to walk by that every day for a week. Yeah. That's an, that, that's the kind of world they were living in. Just, just your friends are being made example of for no reason. And they were, like, kind people for all intents and purposes. They had, uh, I didn't read it, but one mentioned that he had just had a little girl and, you know, they were helping these other starving people by selling them things with, with no coupons, basically, because of how bad conditions were. And and that actually uh, spurred a thought in me that Vladik is not the only person who changed because those same people, right, we see how they helped each other. And mm-hmm. over the course of the book... They stop doing that. They start looking out for themselves. And the only way that Vladik can get help is by money, money, by, by, by providing services for people who are treating him poorly. And and like the guy who he teaches English to, right? Yeah. That guy was a jerk. That guy was a horrible guy, but he looked out for Vladik because Vladik was providing with a service he could not get anywhere else. But coincidentally, Vladek was looking out for his friend who he got to Auschwitz with by helping him get clothes that fit. And he was doing that for out of the kindness of his heart. We still see examples of that. Like when Vladek first left Hungary, he uh, had his cousin that he stored away with that woman he was hiding with, who if he had stayed with, presumably 
would have gotten out of the Second World War without going into the concentration camp. But there's still examples, even when things get particularly bleak and like uh, sort of a real um, fight or flight situation, then they still demonstrate some semblance of human kindness. Yeah. Yeah. Like even later on when he meets the the French guy, you know, he still ends up getting him an extra thing of uh, of soup, you know. He still he gets him in on his scheme to get the the clean clothes, you know, which admittedly was like he said like oh you're a genius like, you know. And it's like, well, yeah, he had to have been to get that far, you know. And like also Sean to go back a little bit, you reminded me of something else when you said like the effect on people. I, I think like one of the only times if I remember was you see that the the German side of it was that one guy um who Vladek like talks to once in a while to be friendly in the marching line or whatever. And he had to go to the second part of the camp and he comes back after a few days and he like goes to talk to him again. And the guy like shuts him up immediately because he looked, he looked like terribly. So he worked on the, the labor over there for like four days and he looked like shit. And the guy just immediately shuts him up. And it's like, he, he may have never, that, that man may have either had like, never like really seen how bad it was you know or maybe it didn't really hit him until then but like something clearly like rattled him and that's like the only time you really see like anyone on their side really like have that obviously he's got to follow orders and stuff at that point you know he's not gonna like change right then and there but you can see the distress on them so it's just wild to think that you know they mentioned at one point that they had to I mean, I may be, like, remembering this impartially 100%, but I think they mentioned at one point that, like, the people, like, couldn't consistently work there. Uh, you know, the, the, the morale for even the Germans was so low doing this stuff, you know? That yeah. It, would, it was terrible enough that it would even make them feel shitty, and they're just, like, told to do it, too. And, like, obviously, there's some real fucking monsters out there, but it didn't, it didn't you know, do anyone any good. None of the, none of the like, it didn't help... Uh, the psychological damage is just extreme for for both sides involved, you know, and it it's, it's it's weird to think that there's any sympathy there for that stuff after you hear these numbers and see how bad it is. But but they a lot of them, you know, went went away and uh, never came back the same way, you know, like in the same way that like we had soldiers sent to like Vietnam and they they just it fucked them up, you know. Some of them just it wasn't right, you know. There's some shit that the human psyche can't take, and like the fact that Vladik retained his memory as well as he did and survived as long as he did with one eye and all this other shit you know and like two heart attacks and everything like he really was a survivor you know not just the genius physically and otherwise the man survived typhus like multiple occasions like he reminds me of my father like you know in that respect like he had a heart attack and he was like at work the next day i'm like what the fuck you know mm. uh it, it's it's there are some people out there that are just you know very 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 crafty or very tough and this vladic happened to be a little bit of both and you, you see consistently how many people just didn't make it out unless you had all of these qualities you know the the chances of making it through what he did are one in in you know six million practically so it's 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 insane that you know that he he retained what he did even you know and that anyone really did from this they talked to other survivors like i actually i know a, a, a woman you know in her in her 90s that she uh she she like she was in Belgium when all this happened. She didn't really get treated the same way. She uh, um, never went to a camp or anything, but she was Jewish and had to hide and things. And simply enough, a couple of years ago, she needed to sign a paper, and someone just said, "Oh, sign the papers," just like that that phrase. And she just broke down in tears and screaming because Nazis would scream at her to sign papers about things. And this is seventy, eighty years later. You know what I mean? She was a kid, yeah. you know, and like it, it's it's just amazing to think that she actually spent like maybe only a year in that state at that point and it still fucked her up for the rest of her life in that respect so 
I have I have mad respect for Vladek and everyone else, and you see the the damage it does to his son, even you know the strained relationship of it, the generations of of trauma that hasn't like well, gone away when just they because talk about the people have died. The Nazis, unfortunately, concentration camps. They posture and say, "Well, how could regular people do that?" Or they'll say, "Well, it was Hitler. Hitler was a totalitarian tyrant who." governed this people with an iron fist and people acted out of fear and that's not it's, this is not entirely true when you have something like that in a culture it it, it it's a it, it poisons people i um i watched a documentary about people just regular german people austrian people hungarian people um you know 60 years later and they were talking about how they gladly would snitch on neighbors if they thought they were a little weird or something. It enabled people to just prey on others from their the deepest, darkest parts of their souls and the and the most paranoid part of themselves. Um, when when you have an environment or a culture that just breeds anxiety like this, it brings out the absolute worst in people. And so, for someone like Vladek to survive. And you see other Jewish people rounding up Jewish people. Yeah, one of the most disturbing the parts, I think, is every time you see them, and and he says like one of the the capos or whatever word, however translates to, is uh, is the the you know leader of that area, and they're the some of the most vile people, and it's like, but you're Jewish, like look whatever, look what's happening around you, you know, and you see that, and it's like, but they're just surviving too, you know, and it's tragic. You 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 see it happening before their eyes, you know. So, um. It, Man, I have so many thoughts about this. Uh, so one of the things that gets thrown around a lot when we talk about um, slavery is that, well, there were black people who sold slaves. There were black people who sold slaves to white people. There were black slaves who helped the slave masters, right, in order to create this narrative that absolves the the people, the actual right. perpetrators who were the the slave owners of the time, the, the people who brought slaves to America were white people at that time. Those guys that did that, those those individuals. Similarly, I have heard all my life, well, there were Jewish there were Jewish people who helped uh bury the bodies, and there were Jewish people who helped bring them to the, the gas chambers and this and that, and there were Jewish people who profited and whatever else. And, you know, this book brought so much context to me that I needed to be able to understand it, because I get it, right, on a logical level, but to feel it, to know, like, these people weren't doing this because they thought it was fun and games to sell out their neighbors, you know? They weren't having a blast, right? It, it wasn't a, it wasn't, it wasn't a power trip for Jewish people to sell out Jewish people or for Jewish people to bury other Jewish people's bodies or whatever. This is life and death. This is, I'll do whatever I have to do to survive in this moment. This is like psychological horror that you can't even imagine on any level. There, are, we, we don't live this life. We don't, we don't live like that. You can't put yourself in that position. You know, and it's so frustrating when people say what they would and wouldn't do. Yeah. You don't know. 
You have no idea. And actually, they, they address that in the book. There's a great scene between uh, Art and his father, Vladek, where Art kind of says, and I, maybe I'm misremembering, but I'm pretty sure that I'm right, where he kind of asks his dad, well, how come you guys didn't uh, fight back or whatever? And he's like, you don't understand. We, if we killed one of them, then the, another one comes with a gun and kills a hundred of us. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. You know, that's the reality. And when, when people say to, about slaves, uh, oh, well, how come they didn't fight back? Right? Like Kanye said something stupid. Yeah, it was uh, like, yeah, 400 years of slavery or something. That sounds like a choice or, or something. Right. Yeah, something Are effect. you out of your mind? How, like, yeah. How could you? How could you possibly know what you would do? You, you know, it's just frustrating. No, in a similarly ignorant fashion. I, I'm pretty sure that Trump had said, like, if you know, this, if the Jews yeah. had 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 weapons, like during the Holocaust, it wouldn't have happened or something. I think that that was like almost the exact words he said. Like, hey, if they had weapons, you know, like it wouldn't have happened. It's bullshit. I mean, they did have weapons. The Polish army fought on the front line. We Glad see it. that happen. They Glad had weapons. They got taken away after they were defeated. Like that's just the nature of war, you know. Unfortunately, yeah. Exactly. I mean, we see it, like, in the book. So, like, they had weapons. What are you trying to say? Like, they didn't have enough or whatever? It's just a matter of cruel- cruelty at that point, you know? Uh, and fear. Right. Exactly. Because they, they weren't just going to break the country. They were breaking, the, you know, the, the people, the culture, the, the spirit. They wanted to eliminate it. And that's just something that is 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 just – it's not, like, excusable in the same way that, like, other things, like – they they try to equate it to you know i think things like slavery and and genocide are so alien to people in in the united states specifically in 2018 that they can't fathom it but when the start of the world second world war happened germany invaded countries with weapons and imposed its will on the entire continent of europe minus three countries basically and when white slave traders went to africa from europe or north america it was a comparable thing where it literally imposed its sovereignty on entirely you know a non-defenseless group of people and and they overpower them the same with you know the native american population in you know america it's like you know like (laughs) <laughs> the you know you 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 started that anecdote with you know people in america are so for, no, genocide no, is so I'm foreign not... to them not the native americans so like yeah well, white well, white people yeah. are so foreign to genocide <laughs> well even 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 minorities like listen yeah slavery was really bad right we all mm. get that i don't know what the hell that's like mm. I can't yeah, fathom what that's fair. like. People in a in a in a first world country struggle to fathom the atrocities of what happened in developing countries or in history. Even Sean had mentioned that he had not had a real personal relationship with the Holocaust because he hadn't had a ton of exposure to it in a way Mouse provided. Because if you don't have that intimacy with it, it's hard to really grasp something that evil. I've heard more dialogue about BS, like whether it really happened yeah, or how bad was yeah. it really. Like I've mm-hmm. heard that more than I've heard like yeah. uh, uh, actual facts about what took place mm. because we're so far removed 
as a culture and so desensitized from real evil like this that we can now rationalize it and say, eh, but was it? Re- but did they deserve it? What did they do? What was their culpability level? Mm. Right? Like, no, there, there is no justification. There's that scene in the book where Vladek is walking home while he's staying in the basement of the kind woman. And a bunch of children are playing and they look at him and they scream, Jew, Jew, Jew. And you see his inner monologue or, or what he's explaining to Art saying like, you know, they thought kids in Poland, uh, Gentile kids in Poland thought that Jewish people would eat mm. them or whatever. And this wasn't uncommon when Germany like invaded like Lithuania, for instance, uh, the, the Lithuanian population greeted them as liberators and they gladly rounded up all the Jews for them because of how deep anti-Semitism ran. When, when, when it comes to evils like this, people that seek to benefit off the suffering of others find ways to change the narrative or slightly alter the narrative to make it seem subjective because they're the ones that have something to gain from it. Mm. And that gain, that gain comes at the, at the behest of human suffering. That's, that's such a good point. And it, and it yeah. brings, it reminds me. So this, let me get through this, please. Mm. Um, okay. So slavery, right? Uh, was something that we did, that uh, America did, um, that was awful and terrible, but not necessarily based in, like, racial hatred, right? Like, initially, when we went over there with the boats to get people, wanted slaves, not necessarily based in racial hatred. Yeah, race race theory in, like, the categorization of humans based off their race that was like really in its infancy at that time right uh the the genocide of native americans awful terrible disgusting not necessarily based in racial hatred what happened in the holocaust completely based in hatred of one specific group of people so to me that represents the ultimate uh, destination of bigotry and racism personified not personified but like that's that's where it ends that's where it leads that's the Mm -hmm. only place it could ever go is there that's the ultimate destination and when you don't root it out and when you stop telling the story and when mouse doesn't exist and when it's not relevant anymore and when you get to 2018 and you have What's happening now happening, not to make it too, you know, politically charged in the moment, but that's what occurs because we forget. It's not just like the politics here, even worldwide in the last 10 years, uh, two, two billion more people have lived under a dictator now than, than they did before because dictators are on the rise. And, the, and like it just takes you know, like a video game once taught me not to bring it back too much, but the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. We we forget these things and then it can happen again. And you see signs of it and we think, Oh, you know, we've learned better, but we haven't, we haven't learned better. So to forget these things is, 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 it's, is a sadness. It's you know? more complex than that. And, and as, as, as the yeah, slave yeah. trade advanced and as American colonization of the United States advanced and as European colonization of Southeast Asia and Africa progressed, 
the motives became more racially driven. Um, you see a lot of 19th century literature about the responsibility of the white man in nobling and in, in, in civilizing the noble savage. Um, and that's that's where it really started to evolve. Um, eugenics as a practice uh, really started developing in the late 1800s, and it was a prominent theory throughout the early 20th century. Woodrow Wilson, president of the United States, believed in it. Um, it wasn't until Hitler practiced his his racial theories of a pure Aryan race that the rest of the world was put on notice and had to basically go. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. And it, it, I'm not saying it is the worst thing that ever happened because there's been a lot of instances of, of, of atrocious genocides. This is the most pub- publicized for obvious reasons. It took place in Europe, which is the you know cultural hub of the world. Uh, it caused the entire world to go on notice. Uh, governments became more progressive, focusing less on the oppression of people and more on the survival of people i think of the united kingdom which was an extremely reactive place you know it was still the british empire and after the war ended they kicked winston churchill out who was the great wartime leader for domestic politics they founded universal health care and they founded uh uh welfare programs to basically help their own people because at the end of the day the war taught everyone that this can't happen again we need to look out for human beings but in the last 20 years, particularly in Eastern Europe and Russia, the rise of anti-Semitism is happening all over again. You look at Europe and the United States, and neo-fascist parties and movements are gaining a lot of legroom and a lot of traction and a lot of footroom because the entire planet is struggling to survive because the wealth uh, disparity is the worst it has been in 80 years, which is where we were leading into the Second World War, right out of the Great Depression. And when people are struggling to eat and pay their rent, they need answers. And the loudest people in the room are the ones blaming minorities, religious groups, and things like that. And when you look in the United States right now, it's not hard to draw these comparisons of Mussolini, Hitler, and Franco in Europe in the 1930s blaming Jewish people, Marxists, Catholics, uh, uh, gypsies, what have you. And when you're struggling and you don't have the context, which is what Sean was talking about, you think like, you know what? Maybe immigrants are taking my job. Maybe immigrants are responsible for people dying in the border. Maybe Jewish people are evil. Like if you don't have that context and you're struggling, you'll latch on to any answer that anyone is saying with an authority. I like that point a lot. Um, Well, (laughs) <laughs> I, 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 like, I like the eloquence of that point a lot. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, well, sort of. Um, I want to talk about one of the sort of obvious uh, themes and, and devices in the book. We've already sort of uh, talked about it, and this is tangentially related to what we're talking about now. Um, it, I will get there. Just, you know, bear with me. Um, I want to talk about the, the anthropomorph, anthropomorphization of the animals and how they're representing the various countries and races and, and, and players in the book and in the war. Do any stand out to you guys in particular? Uh, so 
I I guess the the obvious thing, right? Of 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 the uh, the Jewish people being mice and the the Nazis being cats. Like that's a pretty like clear um, metaphor, yeah. but yeah. it hit me pretty hard, anyways. Sure, because uh, you immediately think predator and prey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And when you dehumanize a group of people to the point where you're looking at them as prey, or that like that's horrifying, you know, like food almost for yeah. you know. Exactly, exactly. Um, And then this is related to what you're talking about. Uh, I actually really loved the scenes before uh, Vladek goes to Auschwitz where he's able to actually walk around uh, among the Polish people and not be recognized. And he has a he has a mask on that makes him look like because they're represented as pigs and he has a pig mask on. Even though he's actually a rat, I I, I thought that was. Uh, I'm sorry, a mouse. I I, I thought that was uh, very brilliant. Um, I don't know. It just that just hit me. So um, that's sort of the one that is super sticky. Um, you're absolutely right about the predator and the prey, uh, the cat and mouse uh, comparison. That's uh, basically exactly like the the core. Uh, thing that Spiegelman was going for with that, and then you know you have the the Americans who are seen as the the liberators and the big heroes coming to to take on the cats and you know eventually they're defeating the dogs. them. Blah blah blah. Yeah, they're dogs. There are significant choices and there are insignificant choices. You know, as we've said, the the big ones are mice, cats, um, uh, dogs, uh, pigs, and those are kind of the big ones. And we'll get to pigs in in a second. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed um, there were uh, reindeer. They were like the Swedish, the Swedish people. Oh, yeah. uh, British people were mostly represented as uh, frogs. Uh, no, sorry, fish. French people were frogs, and and with uh, you know with for example uh, the British thing, he he really just couldn't come up with anything else other than the first thing that came to his mind, which was just like fish and chips. <laughs> funnily enough how that works i mean the first thing i saw when i saw fish was like oh i, I, I see britain as the naval power it makes sense to me they're fish oh, whatever and even yeah, water that you know? makes even like, more every sense. single one of these had multiple entendres to me you know like cats they're predators obviously they're they're stealthy they'll wait you know post-world war one germany cats why not obviously wow. everyone calls french people frogs mice they're crafty they don't they're you know you have one in your house you say oh my god you know where are the rest you know like that's how the germans treated them uh pigs you know the poles right the russians and the germans both divided the country up and sacked it for all it was worth everyone saw them as like a nice place to go steal the oil and everything all the other resources and the manpower from there too so it makes sense they're pigs it's just how what can we take from them you know i mean for me like I, I like the surface ones the most, but I, I like I really loved like the I don't know if he intended them or not, but it fit for me, you know. But the problem with pig, from a uh, think about it this way, uh, and I don't want to get negative over the book, but like I know this has been a sticking point for people the last forty years. Mm-hmm. Keep going because this uh, is where I'm going. Yeah. Uh, so in Jewish culture, traditional Jewish culture, you do not allowed to eat pigs. Of course, yeah. Uh, because it's not seen as kosher. They're dirty animals. If you're a Polish person reading this book, 
you know, from a Jewish person's perspective who wrote it, you know, are you, are you being called unclean and gross basically? Um, the, 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 the implication to, to a Polish person, it's, it, there's been controversy over it. Oh, I could believe that, but at the same time, you see, you see the father in the the car when when there's one of the Americans who's black, and he's immediately just says like he was going to steal our stuff, he was going to steal our stuff. There, you know. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So okay, down, so down, so down. So well, you're 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 walking all over my points here. You're you're a hundred percent. You're a hundred percent correct. <laughs> um, I'll back up. <laughs> the so the the thing about Polish people and and pigs is it it is a as we said, uh, 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 a deeply offensive uh, insult to the Polish people, and especially um, coming from uh, Jewish people. Um, even before, you know, the the uh, Nazi Poland, uh, when uh, a Jewish person wanted to insult a, a Pole, he called him a Polish pig. Uh, Nazis called Polish people Polish swine. Um, Schweinhunde, pig dog, two yeah. worst ones. And like Spiegelman, for a long time, was really cagey about that. Um, he was even called out by uh, one of his contemporaries, uh, Harvey Picar, who who says uh, when Spiegelman shows uh, the polls as doing something admirable, he still portrays them as pigs, and he's sending a mixed message. And sort of antithetical to that, well, maybe not necessarily that, but Spiegelman has dismissed the the Polish people's concern about their depiction as pigs as a squeal. Hmm. His his wow. response may be callous and obviously uh, charged negatively, but I, I mean, for me, since the book is all about perceptions of things, and people are divided into you know the classes they are, and the Jews are told, well, you're you know you're not human, you're just this, and for everyone to be divided that way consistently, I think sticks. Uh, even when they are being noble and helping, I, I think the perception of it was was that every other country around them thought that Poland was a eyesore that was was shouldn't be, and to see them as something terrible. Uh, well, you know, so in in uh, the sort of companion piece and sort of retrospective uh, uh, Meta Mouse, a look inside a modern classic, which I didn't well, actually know existed until I didn't, I didn't either. Until I, doing the court this case is getting very uh, interesting now. <laughs> it came out in 2011 by the same company and everything. Um, Spiegelman it really divulges his actual reasons for portraying poles as pigs. Okay. Um, and this is from me. that article, interview, and book. It is to bash polls straight up. Uh, wow! With reference to his father's attitude towards polls, he quips, "Quote: So my metaphor, mice to be killed outright and pigs to be exploited and eaten, was somehow able to hold that particular vantage point while somehow acknowledging my father's dubious opinions of polls as a group." Despite the fact that Poland had for centuries given sanctuary to Jews persecuted elsewhere, Spiegelman adds, uh, quote, and considering the bad relations between Poles and Jews for the last hundred years in Poland, it seemed right to use a non-kosher animal. So, sketch, right? I want A little bit, I, but I think it also, I think, because he's writing it as almost a memoir of his father, and his father had the racist attitudes... I think it's true to what he's doing, even though it's a little fucked up. I mean, I understand it's offensive on multiple levels, but I think the reality was is that the book was never not going to be offensive. And I think keeping it 
really gives the most accurate depiction of of what we could get and knowing that piece is really interesting like that should be included in the original work somewhere to get context on it for sure do you feel differently knowing that he did that and his or at least according to this interview directly from him you know 40 some odd years later does that how does that how does that uh, shape that relation to racism for you so um for me it was pretty clear reading it that 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 was that he was going for that that he was mm. going for yeah. offense you know mm. um but i think that each one of the depictions i mean except the dog each one of them came across to me as offensive in some form or fashion. Yeah, yeah because yeah. it is it, it is an offensive situation. You know, none mm. of this is none of this is good and nobody's clean and um there's probably hurt there for mm. him, for his father, and this is from his father's perspective. Um and maybe art has some of those feelings as well and it's hard to given this is such a personal story it's hard to criticize him uh, for me anyway. It's hard to criticize him for for doing this when that's how he feels about what happened. And we can see why in the story. And I, again, I, I think all of these depictions are offensive. So I don't, I don't think anyone is like more offensive necessarily. Obviously, I guess the Polish people have taken great offense to being depicted that way. Um, but again, this is one guy's story and this is how he feels. And for me, it doesn't change anything because a, I saw it that way anyways. And B, this is, this is his truth. This, this, this book isn't black and white. Hmm. It is morally ambiguous in terms of how it portrays characters. Yeah. And, the racism and prejudice that exists in this book and in the setting that in, which is the most racially charged setting that you can have in, in a lot of ways. Um, it portrays that bigotry mm. and I can divorce my personal feeling toward different ethnicities because I don't feel any sense of prejudice toward Polish people, Jewish people, or whatever um, from what is being told to me in this book because this whole book is about the nuance of human interaction in the most superficial way because these are people mm -hmm. who are judging other people based off their ethnic background and their religion and if Spiegelman, I mean, Spiegelman's not portraying Polish people in a positive light for the most part. I mean, there are Polish characters that are, like the one that uh, houses them before they get taken to Auschwitz. He's portraying the truth. He's portraying his truth. He's portraying his father's truth. Provided those are, are real events, he's portraying the truth. The, the, regardless if they are real events, they're portraying. He's portraying their truth. It's it's from Vladek's perspective, the truth yeah. as told to art from Vladek. Exactly. Um, does does the scene with 
Art, his wife, uh, Vladek, and 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 the the black hitchhiker. Does that? How does that sit with you guys in all of those terms? It's 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 more of the same. Vladek, by Spiegelman's account, was racist. Hmm. I think he's directly quoted as saying, like, you know, but and and my father was a little racist, yeah, and and I think it just served. It was only one time, and if if it was excessive three or four times, I think it would have uh, been overbearing and showed like actual like too much prejudice on that subject. But I think because it's in just a short segment, um, just for a ride home and all that, I think it serves really well. It's timing to like try, try to remind you that this is all the account of of one man, and you know, based on his story of it, so you got to just keep in mind that that's that's his tale you know regardless it's, of yeah what's up it, it's what makes vladik so human i guess yeah because exactly when he when you read him in the 30s and 40s he's eloquent and smart and, and kind of suave but in his old age he's a stereotype <sighs> yeah and well, there's problems with the stereotype. Art himself acknowledges, like, I've, it's problematic that my father is a stereotype. It's how he saw his father. Um, and I can't wibble over what was reality in the context of the story. Hmm. You know? I, 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 had, um, I had several complicated reactions to that sequence. I sort of hoped you would, and I hoped you (laughs) would speak about them. (laughs) So, um, on the one hand, uh, it wasn't a surprise, because this is a guy, like, if that same thing was happening when he was a younger man, he probably wouldn't have had that reaction. I I was so glad that that scene was included, because it, it, to me showed how he had changed in the sense of he went from being, uh, uh, you know, like a carefree guy before everything started, like a carefree guy, good guy, noble guy, everything else, you know, regular person to being a paranoid, um, neurotic, anxiety-ridden individual who you could easily imagine would be afraid of being robbed and would be susceptible to being uh, brought the down racism by of perception. The day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's one one part of it. Another part of it was that I was angry that this person who I was seeing as a hero for what he had done, um, because he saved his his own life, he saved other lives, he went out of his way to try to save the lives of certain individuals who weren't his family. Uh, right. It was sad to see that this person who was a hero in my mind now is also a racist. Hmm. Uh, that yeah. was hurtful. But the other part of me saw it as a stark reminder and a necessary reminder that even the most um, persecuted people, they're not, that doesn't make them righteous people. It, do, hmm. it doesn't make them even good people. It just makes them yeah. persecuted people. Yeah. And it shows that you can go on to do the same things that were done to you to others. And you can never be beyond uh, 
humbleness and an understanding that no form of bigotry is ever okay. That mm-hmm. I took the the message I received was that as a minority, you can't let bigotry in your heart, whether yeah. it's towards other minorities or towards white people or whatever, because if if like just you know i'm not trying to go too deep with this but if white people cease to exist that don't that doesn't mean that we're going to live a perf in a perfect world it just we're going to do we're going to do the same things that were done to us to each other because that's human to do it's not white to do it's human to do and we have to root that out in ourselves and he fell victim yeah. and so can i that's Really eloquently put. Yeah. Wow. It's heavy. Let's talk about the art a little, no? I mean, if you want, yeah. Uh, I I mean, you know, it's it's the one guy who did it, so I think we've uh, you know blew smoke up his ass enough. (laughs) Well, I well so um, recently one of my friends introduced me to manga, and uh, the thing that was the most interesting with Marco, huh? Oh God! Look at Artie over there. Oh, I'm, so I'm sorry, Thompson. <laughs> the thing that was the most interesting to me about what I had read was that uh, the art was unspectacular. It was very plain. It was very like uh, functional, right? Um, and the over there, right in in the manga world, most of the time, from what I was told, the artist and the writer are the same person. And the story is more based around the story than the art itself. Um, and so when I was reading this, I wasn't bothered by the unremarkable art in a way that I probably would have been literally a month ago. Um, mm. That colored my experience with this book. And I was glad for that, actually. That being said, though, I think there were some moments with the art that were stellar and really stood out to me. One of them... I have not been able to forget this since I read this book is the very first time that you see the Nazi symbol. I was like in shock because it's just so in. Okay. If this comic book were done by a Western comic book artist today, it would have been a big splash page that would have been in your face and it would have looked epic. This was a moment that wasn't meant to be, some epic statement it was just what it was and it was so there and it was so in your face and you couldn't get away from it but it also wasn't some big splash page it really penetrated me and i could feel like once i saw that i knew this is when shit's about to hit the fan oh like when they were on the train passing through yes yes and you see it for the first time that really struck me Yep. It's 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 like a harbinger almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like it hangs over the town even in that image that you just showed. And it's yeah. like this is what's about to go down. Um what was that Wes Anderson movie? Um uh that the hotel uh The Grand Budapest Hotel. Grand there you go. Yeah. Hotel. It reminded me of that part where, you know, yeah. right near the you know, the end you you start seeing just a little bit and you're like, Oh fuck, you know, like it just you just need to see one little flag in the distance to know that this is this is where we're you know the ride is not going to be pretty here you know and like obviously you could feel the tension building up but it's a very interesting frame to just have it shift gears like that um I, you said one little flag and that kind of just underscores what this 
book is. No, 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 not just for the book. No, I meant in general, like it's it's minimalist. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. You, know, you, 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 the size doesn't necessarily matter. It's the symbol and the power behind it. Yeah, and that's what I liked about it. You know, like he, he the deaths in this aren't they're they're graphic, but they're not like heavy metal album cover graphic you know what i mean like they they could they could be so much more based on the fact that he's saying i'm literally walking on bodies you know um and and just for that alone like there's a scene where he like the one german guy whips a kid into the wall like that's fucking vile i mean he like he whips him by the legs he's tiny enough to like explode him and there's just it's always cut off just enough that you like see him holding by the leg or you see the splat but you don't see like and it, it could have been so much more and i think it it serves better to the imagination to leave it what it is and just have you see it, have an idea of it and fill in the blanks yourself. How, how horrible something could be like that. Because I I don't think, um, I don't think he needs to go any further with it, with that. And I think that makes it actually better for what it is. I think just a little, you know, where it was, was enough. I think. Since we're talking about the art, I want to juxtapose the minimalist style of mouse which is the representation of his of his father's experience with what he did earlier, which is also printed in the book of Prisoner on Hell yeah. on the Hell Planet, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. which is about his uh, mother's suicide, who was also in the Holocaust and is a primary character of the recountings of his father. Yeah. Um, and to me, Prisoner on the Hell Planet is a reflection of art's experience. The art is more surreal. It's psychedelic. Um, it's very. It's it's very of its time. Guard. Well, it's very of its time in underground comics. Like you know, specifically the 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 style. Uh, yeah, nineteen seventy two. That reminds me specifically of. Um, he's a guy I hate. Um, not, oh, cool. Not Harvey <laughs> Picard, but. The other really gross guy, Robert something, Rick. Um, Robert Thompson. Just slinging my name around <laughs> willy nilly. <laughs> but while you're looking that up, I guess, um, I think Spiegelman does a really good job of of, of embracing or, or capturing everything panel to panel really well. His paneling isn't mm-hmm. like specifically. Um, remarkable, I guess, but he does a great job of of really grasping everything. There's a scene where uh, Vladik is in contact with his dead grandfather in his dreams, and the holy man's like, oh, you're spiritually endowed kind of thing. And the way he visually charges images, when, when art is struggling to figure out how to kind of justify writing this because it's not his experience and he's having a real effect i think of that panel where it's just him at his art desk wearing a mouse mask on top of yeah a ton of bodies from auschwitz mm. that that's brilliant. that's the command he has over his panels absolutely i felt like a i felt like a prisoner of this comic book yeah yeah a, a lot of the time like why I don't want to see this, you know. I need to get out of this, but I can't. It it it's a page turner, as weird as that yeah. is to say. I couldn't stop reading yeah. this. I read it all in one shot, and uh, I wanted out. Yeah, but I couldn't get out. That that's really appropriate because that's the whole book is about trying to get out. 
Kel, did you find the the individual? Uh, it's uh, Robert Crumb is who I'm thinking of. Um, he in the si- you're on blast, Robert Crumb. <laughs> oh, fuck Robert Crumb. Um, <laughs> Whoa. He he in the 70s he did a lot of like when you think of real super underground comics, it was it's the real just pervy misshapen sort of uh, extra sketchy art with uh, and yeah that's uh, this art the prisoner the prisoner on the hell planet is is very of that time um similar to harvey picar who you know is 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 really famous for uh his american splendor uh uh, autobiographical comics where it's just very the stuff is very um claustrophobic but also sketchy yeah i mean everything you're you're saying about that is is a hundred percent it's it's hard it's hard a lot of this this discussion is is particularly difficult for me because i hate this period of comics and autobiographical comics in general are really really hard for me to get through because this isn't what i go to comics for um i don't like it at all and um Right, you like the big splash pages and the big action scenes. I forgot that's the thing about you. Well, I mean, like my, you know, my favorite books are stories about monsters and and people in colorful, you know, helmets and jumpsuits and you know, big robots. Like, but it's also, you know, Mouse is also a really powerful example of of of, of why autobiographical comics and you know such minimalist and understated art is so powerful yeah it's it's a a stark reminder that even unremarkable things can be completely remarkable and wholly important yeah um one thing one thing that that disturbs me you you were talking earlier about how like uh the the scene about the the you know the nazi whipping the 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 child and one thing that disturbs me about the book is how how all the animals still you know all the animals represented still have a roughly human shape Mm. so when you're seeing someone get beaten you're seeing the mouse head or whatever react but with the human body and it's all splayed out and like you know it 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 is exactly what it sounds like it sounds like a person wearing a mask you know being beaten and like the the weird surreal nature of that is powerful yeah absolutely i could talk about this book forever well we don't have forever (laughs) so um i don't know uh closing thoughts would you guys do more stuff like this um there's plenty out there um i you know there's uh uh, i think in particular of uh, uh joe sacco who is a, a a sort of comics journalist in that he's a journalist who primarily works in in the comics form um he does he at one, i know he's got a, a real uh big book called uh, i think it's called palestine where he goes and tries to to kind of tackle what um the stuff that happened over there um several stuff you know things like that i, I guess i guess my final thought on this is this is a book I wish every single person would read and the very nature of the book cries out 
for the compassion of humanity. And there's a lot of people with real calloused over hearts and souls who this book might not penetrate. But there's a lot of people out there who are maybe going down a bad path because of their environment or the people they're around or whatever, whatever it is. And I think the very nature of this book pleads for people to have empathy toward other human beings because at the end of the day, we share this planet with 7 billion people with all different backgrounds. And if we're not cooperating in the most basic empathetic way, what are we doing here? Hmm. And I, I, my closing thought is if you haven't read this book, Hey, I don't know why you're still listening to this because there's a lot of spoilers, <laughs> but if you've somehow gotten through this episode, read the book and suggest it to people that, you know, it's unfortunate that a book that deals with things from 70, 80 years ago is as relevant as it has ever been before. But this is context that we all need and it proves how important history is. Yeah, I uh, I echo everything that you just said, man. I I think everyone should at least try to read this at least once. And I think its message is too important to be forgotten or just glanced over as it's some other comic book or whatever. Um, I, I haven't had a comic book in my hands in like like four years, and I'm I'm like really surprised I uh, thought that this wasn't going to have anywhere as close of a meaning as it did. And, you know, had I known, obviously I wouldn't have read it beforehand. So don't, you know, my my personal thought, if you are like me, don't sleep on it. If you have a copy of it, read it. If you, if you can't, like, just find a way. I think it's too worth it to, to pass over. Absolutely. Uh, for me, this is, it's a heartbreaking book in a lot of ways. Uh, it's a love story about two people who fall into the deepest pit of hell imaginable and manage to climb out, but they are very scarred after that. And I think that this book serves as a reminder that there is cruelty in this world we can't even imagine. Uh, And you can never turn yourself away from these kinds of things as they build because any where in the world this could happen if humans do nothing yeah uh there is no place that's safe from this and there are no human people who are above this uh in the sense of too good for this to happen to them or too good to be the perpetrator you have to always be vigilant about what you allow in your mind um about how good you are to others about what you do to other people, I think it all matters. Because at the end of the day, the German people in this story, they're not all necessarily vicious, monstrous, non-subhuman people. They're regular people who got swept up in something crazy because they didn't stop and think about what they were about to allow themselves to do. Yeah. And uh, that's a message, man, that we need to take in. It can happen anywhere. It's not. It's not evil. It's not, you know, biblical 
I, this person was born evil, beyond reproach. They have the devil inside of them. No, this is human. Mm-hmm. You know, get it. Get the message. Buy this book. Read this book. Take in what it has to say. I would recommend it to anyone. I agree with you, Phil, 1,000%. Everyone should read this. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for going through this with me and um, getting – and having this discussion. I was um, – I really was super truly nervous, but I, I uh, was really pumped to get to, to listen to your perspectives. I hope you, the listener, got something out of it. Um Going back and and reading about the the various atrocities that we all do to each other um, and the horrors that mankind has to offer, it's it's not easy. And 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 reading a book like this is not an easy feat. I but I've always felt that as a storyteller and as just a person, it's always necessary to. To, to gain insight into why the world is the way it is and nothing happens in a vacuum yeah uh so with that uh we're gonna i don't know we might go watch caillou or something no you don't want to watch something you'll hate um caillou thank you again for listening to this book club if you enjoyed this please let us know uh write to us at the comics pals at gmail uh, dot com. Let us know on Facebook, Twitter, at the Comics Pals. We're everywhere. Your social media is sold. We do have another book club coming up next month. I believe it's going to be Batman Gothic. Oh, is that what we're doing? Cool. Well, I think you're hosting it, so you better figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're hosting it, then that's awesome. Because uh, I know, I know that was the book I suggested. I know it was coming up this soon, so that's cool. Whatever happens, we're the Comics Pals. <laughs> Uh, We are here for you, and this is us signing off. Take care, guys. Bye. Love each other. (laughs)